Well, hello there. We are back once again to talk to you all things football, but mainly Arsenal. Chris, it's good to be looking at your beautiful face this fine evening for me and morning for you. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. Enjoyed the uh, game yesterday. Excited to talk about it. Very good. Very good. I'm noticing you've got a... I've only just noticed it this second, even though we've been talking for a few minutes. You've got a new full-on gamer set up going. What, what's, what's going on there? Have you... We're taking it more seriously, aren't we? This is this is a serious season. Last season, it was, you know, you got a bit of a mic, you got headphones in now and again. Now it's like, you know, we're, we're taking it seriously. This is the title winning season. This is the podcast award winning season. Oh, I see. What we're going for right mate oh well i'm bang up for it i haven't altered my setup i mean i was professional from the off so uh now that you've pulled your socks up then yeah maybe, maybe that's it yeah maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is that the difference uh, yeah maybe maybe it will be um so yeah obviously just yesterday uh arsenal took on bournemouth at the vitality stadium down on the south coast and we ran out i think resounding would be a, a great way to say it but resounding four nil winners um christopher talk to me about what you thought for the teams yeah um i guess the talking point continues to kind of be this ramsdale um raya situation and, and who's going to start um i wasn't surprised that raya was sort of back in after the midweek game uh Brentford that, that Ramsdale played because it seems like he's going to get a little bit of a run in the team and um it's interesting to see the difference I guess between them is not maybe what I thought it was I thought it was going to be that Raya came in and his distribution was really incredible and he was able to find all these extra passes and he was really smooth receiving the ball um and I don't think he's been particularly different to Ramsdale in that area of the pitch. Um, the, the statistics that really stand out are the fact that we've had, what, four clean sheets since he came in. Um, so it's his, you know, it's his shot saving or it's his area ability or it's his command of the area. Or Is that luck or, that or is it judgment? I don't know. And it's hard to, it's hard with a small sample size to, to say which one of those things it is. But, as a team, we're not conceding goals, and that's a great starting point, a great foundation mm-hmm. um, for 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 winning games. So, yeah, obviously, you know, he's he's started well for us in terms of results. I've not been blown away by the way that he's played. Um, well, overall, but can I jump know, in there then? Do the job. If uh, if we're going under Arteta's um, mantra or explanation, then the fact that he hasn't maybe played amazingly, should Ramsdale not get a chance to be back in already? And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I mean, I, as long as we're winning, I don't really mind who steps out on that pitch. I'm just uh, asking questions. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's maybe what it is. It's, it's, it's about results, right? When we're at this stage of the... Of, of the projects I guess that we're in um, it's about trying to win games and making sure that everything is is possibly done to, to win them so maybe he's just looking and, and thinking that the results are going that way at the moment um, and this is the keeper that stays in um, so yeah it, obviously he started um, and then uh, generally it's a, the strongest lineup I thought we could have put out with the with the injuries that we have well um, is it though I mean because he he snuck them all in after saying, oh, this person hasn't trained, this person hasn't trained, this person hasn't trained, <laughs> there they all are, either in the starting 11 or on the bench. Yeah, they were never injured, were they? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be... I, I think the press conference thing, press conference side of Arteta has improved so much this season um, and also towards the end of last season, maybe a little bit. But the way that he talks to the press um, and the information that he puts out there it's there's obviously a reason that he says things that he he says and i think he's rather than being really guarded and trying to hold things back i think he's been a little bit more open but i don't think there's a lot of truth to some of the stuff he says 
not a lot um, of it. To I be think honest. there's a great and, and the the reason behind that I think is why 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 bother, why create stories when there's no need to, mm-hmm. um, and that little bit of misdirection in having six players injured and you know it's a it's a disaster situation and all that sort of stuff, but actually. You know, they're fit enough to play. And we saw Declan Rice had some wrapping on his back. I'm sure Saka's ankle wasn't 100%, but I thought they were going to be fit to play. Saka's ankles must be strapped up like a basketball player every week. Right. Yeah, he's kicked every game, right? So well, I think all these players are always carrying knocks. And the idea that somebody's going to be 100% fit, um, like they are on FIFA or Football Manager or whatever, is is just completely unrealistic. Yeah, pie in the sky. All these players are, are carrying injuries. And they're they're finding ways to get through it. Yeah. And if it was really serious, they wouldn't have been on the pitch. So um yeah, I, I wasn't surprised by by the fact they all played. I know some people were, but yeah, it didn't it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, you're right. It was pretty much the strongest side that we could put out. Uh, maybe you pick Trossard if he's available um to play from the start and Jesus starts down the middle. Um I think other than that. Like you say, that's that's a full strength side. Or would you have had Vieira in if he was fully available? Because apparently he had a knock. Would you have picked him over Havertz before? And you know, a ball had been kicked. Um, there's a debate there, maybe, but it's sort of a toss of a coin, I think, on that one. Um, I, I I really like the physical profile of Havertz, so I, I would tend to go for him mm-hmm. first in most games, anyway. But yeah, there's a, there's an argument to say that, that Vieira could have started, but. Um, yeah, the rest of it was sort of as expected, I think. Yeah. Um, and so 17 minutes ticks by and we, we take the lead. Um, how did you think, though, before we scored, we were getting on? I thought Bournemouth were making it really difficult for us. Um, I thought they were their press is really good. Their line of engagement is so high. They were making it quite difficult for us to get out of... Um, our sort of defensive area. And although we weren't turning the ball over, I thought we were finding it difficult to progress the ball. So we're going back quite a lot. We had a lot of players in that um, defensive area trying to um, get on the ball and and create that build-up and create those patterns. So I thought they were in really good shape and really good position. But having said that, the moment we did get past that first sort of block, then it looked like they were wide open. And I could see, well, I, I thought quite early on, if we get one early here, we could score or we should score quite a few mm-hmm. because of the way they're set up. I think there's a, if you if you play a team who are really sitting deep, it's not always the case that if you get one, there'll be more because, you know, they sit in the little shell and it's really hard to break them down. But I think the the benefit of having a, a kind of progressive forward thinking manager who's, you know, um, from five minutes down the road from Arteta mm-hmm. on the other touchline is that he's going to want to try and play football. Yeah. And if teams try and do that against us, as PSV saw, you know, we're going to turn them over quite easily. Um, but yeah, we, they made it a little bit difficult, but then obviously we get a really good um, deep ball into the box. Jesus, um, I think he's trying to just keep it in play. I don't know if he's necessarily trying to score, but you um, reckon? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a, a weird angle, and he's going backwards. So I think he's just trying to get it back across the goal. Okay, I, I feel like maybe you're doing him a bit dirty there. I mean, like if you're a cold-blooded number nine, no, no matter what action it is you take, if you're touching the ball, you're trying to score. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I think because he's not a cold-blooded number nine. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's the player who wow. later in the game, Savage. you know, going through, going through on the goalkeeper, doesn't try and lift it over him. He tries to put it across to Reese <laughs> Nelson, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but Saka's there to get a, um, I don't know, was it like a Duncan Ferguson style header? It was a real, there's some great technique in that. Power. It, it was awkward um, yet good <laughs> at the same time, wasn't it? Because yeah, he's he you you're right. He had to put power in there because. There was a player on the line. I still don't think even if he could have fluffed it and probably got it in. Um, But I'm glad that he did put the neck muscles to use um, like a Formula One driver there and really made sure he got it over. Um, So all all that network in the gym has has paid off right there. And um, like you say, I think 
I think Bournemouth did make it hard for us. I don't think we tore through them. It wasn't like we were cutting through them with swagger. I think we had control is how I would put it. And then, like you say, once we got that first goal, it it felt like, right, okay, when is the second one coming? wasn't if, it was when. And I didn't really see anything likely to happen from Bournemouth. Yeah, I think con- like control is the right word. We're we're more risk adverse this season, I think, in our build up. There's less chances taken, and it's taken us a little bit longer to get the ball forward. Um, but there's more care, I think, um, and it's it's a it's something that obviously Man City do really well, um, taking care of the ball and rotating it. And sometimes it can be a little bit um, of, of a slog to get to create chances but there's safety in it because you you know you don't lose the ball in in dangerous areas and players aren't our position so i can see why we do it um it makes a lot of sense but from from a Bournemouth point of view did you think they were um do you think there was ever a time when they were going to score no nah. did they look like a team who were going to going to break us down no only if we made a mistake and we didn't look like doing that either um it dawned on me I don't know, it must have been midway through the second half that I hadn't seen a close-up of Saliba until that point on the coverage. I was just like, oh, yeah, he's playing. Um, yeah. Like, Gabriel had had uh, a continuation from uh, his performance during the week and had made some good blocks and uh, some good actions, as Arteta would say. Um, but we were so untroubled by them there's me using all the big words late at night, um, that it felt like, you know, we could have just had two or three at the back and they would have handled it because um, Bournemouth really didn't offer much, which surprised me. And, and I know Arteta was being kind to them in his um, post-game comments, but it is true. I think Bournemouth should be better off than they are right now. Um, and I was surprised in a way that we did... Not that we controlled the game, but uh, that we weren't at least put under more pressure to have had that level of control. I still think even if Bournemouth had been better, we would still have had the measure of control that we did. Um, I was just surprised that Bournemouth didn't really offer anything. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not a team in full mile. I don't think that they've they haven't won a game yet. They've only scored four or five goals this season. So I don't think any at home yet have they scored at home. No, I don't think so. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, first goal goes in um, and then Bournemouth decides to help us out a little bit <laughs> by <laughs> by just taking people down in the box. Wonderful tackling. Loved it. I mean, it's like they were just hammering square every time someone got into the box, wasn't it? It's just like, yeah, really just panicking. slide tackle. Yeah, just go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, a penalty. Um, yeah. Yeah, not not the the best of challenges. And to be honest, by that point, I was already quite frustrated with the referee's performance. So I was just pleased that Bournemouth made it extremely easy for him um, and that there yeah. was no real uh, thinking to be done because I feel like had they been more marginal, the referee might have struggled because I don't think he was having a particularly uh, fair game. I'm trying to re- remember now who it was that he booked for us. Was it Havertz? I think it was Havertz reasonably yeah, early on. And then yeah. moments later, one challenge, like exactly the same, no booking. And then about another f- four minutes after that, another one, no booking. And it was just like, right, cool. Yeah, I love it when the referees um, are on top of their game and referee the teams in exactly the same way. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that the penalties were clear cut and straightforward. Uh, yeah. And yeah, Saka, the one, I mean, uh, we as we found out throughout the game, you don't know who's going to take one of our penalties, but at that point, Zach has got the ball in his hand. Um, I didn't have any doubt, really. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting any keeper heroics at that point. You? Um, so when you when you say that, you, you mean you were surprised that he gave it to Odegaard? Or? Yeah. Like so, with with Saka having the ball in his hands, yeah. Sorry, I didn't articulate that very well. Um, yeah, yeah. 
you don't know because this is now what the second time that that's happened yeah. that, he's, that he's given it away um sorry and yeah when when Erdegaard then steps up even though we've had the change of who looks like they're going to take it and sometimes maybe that can get in your psyche as a fan you'd be like oh no I don't like the fact that we've done that oh we shouldn't have done it we should have just stuck to the normal penalty taker I didn't have any of that I was just like yeah he's just gonna he'll put this in nice and easy yeah they're, they're all good they're all good penalty takers I've got no no doubt um that any of the three options now, I guess, that we've got <laughs> um, would 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 miss a penalty. And we've also got that the strange thing is when you, when we brought in Jorginho, there was a lot of talk that you know he's mm. an incredible penalty taker. Yeah. He's going to maybe take over, and he can't get anywhere near it. Um, <laughs> I know he wasn't on the. Pitch good, I was going to say he's got to be on the pitch to get a chance. Yeah, um, but that was it was good timing as well for that goal. Right, it's just before half time. Um, sort of puts the boot in. Obviously, they go they go in a little bit more demoralised. We go in in a little bit more of a higher, um, and then you come out for the second half. And again, they just dive in with a tackle on Odegaard this time. Um, and there's another penalty. Yeah, and I'm thinking it's a second one for Saka. Yep, nice from my FBL team. Yep, same. Um, Although I have Odegaard too, so I was all right when Saka handed it yeah, off. Doesn't matter too much. <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a big lanky German. Yeah, stands up with a ball in his hands. Big fucking German. What, what was your feelings when you saw him take the the ball? So with this one, I'm not gonna lie. There was that split second, like, oh shit, like, please don't miss it. I I, I know that you can do this, and and I, I think we discussed it on the only other episode we've done this season. But just in case we didn't, uh, the second I saw that we were in for habits, I think I messaged you with like, what the hell. Not too happy about this. After about an hour of thinking about it, I was like, "Do you know what? If if the boss says we want him and he's he's going to be good for us, then I want him, and uh, and I'm fine with that." I've been disappointed to hear through some avenues that maybe the home crowd already are on his back a little bit, which I don't particularly like. You and I were around for a lot of the really cynical and hostile Wenger seasons um and don't get me wrong we're nowhere near that but I just I just don't want any negativity we don't need it we're we're we've risen so far above it so there's this split second in me where I'm just like please just do make sure you you put this in just to really shut anyone up who is on the uh on the other side of the, the fence um little stutter step but uh yeah i i don't know again i think even on his run up i was like yeah this is this is in the back of the net what about you um yeah it was it's one of those sliding doors moments because it's such obviously a penalty is such a an easy chance in the grand scheme of things that you think if he if he scores this great but if he misses it oh no you know what's going to happen next um so there's a little bit of of that sort of going through my mind at the time but i think it's really interesting that this wasn't a arteta decision it seemed like it was just in the spur of the moment mm-hmm. that um odegaard and saka decided between them that actually it was more important that for the squad for the group that have us get a goal and for him the individual goal yeah than um, them, you know, t- take it. And obviously they had confidence in him and we're 2-0 up and all those sort of things go into it. But yeah, it was just a really nice moment for him. Yeah. And the players showing their support support for him. Um, and yeah, he, he tucks it away really well. And then and then the song starts. Um, and it, it might well be the, the song down of the, the train, season. Kai Havert scores again. Um, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, whoever ever came up with that, love it. And the fact that we, and we'll maybe come on to the fan shortly, but the fact that it was adopted, like everyone picked it up so quickly, um, yeah. which doesn't always happen. So that was, that was really good. Um, and another key thing as well, as soon as he scored it, I was just like, yes, Kai. And I was like, celebrate, celebrate the shit out of it. Like give it, you know, enjoy 
no matter yes it was really gift wrapped for you it's not like he scored a 91st minute screamer against Tottenham in the derby or something um that he'd run the length of the pitch to to create for himself it was gift wrapped for him but that's irrelevant I, I i feel like he is a guy who's carrying a lot on his shoulders current carrying a lot of baggage from the circus at chelsea so i was really happy that Erdegaard kind of pushed him and forced him over all of the other players got involved um to celebrate and also post game showing the love as well um you know Declan Rice talking about how hard he works in training and I think uh, yeah. Arteta alluding to that as well like talking about how all the other moments that he puts in and all the effort that he puts in you know all of those collective moments pay off to scoring that goal so I'm really pleased he got his moment I'm over the moon that the fans had something for him um, and yeah I just that that synchronicity and harmony between the team and then between us as the fan base is just you love to see it um and it's become regular for for us now for the last however many months i'd say what 18 maybe even 24 months yeah yeah it's 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 obviously a fantastic see it's one of those ones that, like you say, because it's been going on for a while, it's not surprising. And that's a, a really beautiful thing about, I think, the club um, and our fan base is that the st- stuff like that happens and it's it happens so often with us. There's that support behind the players. Um, you, you know, you heard it after the Giorgino mistake, fans singing his name immediately. And um, we talked about that on the, the, last, the last sort of time, I think. But there's always that support from the fans, especially the away fans, because mm. it's um, you know a much more select, smaller group. Um, uh, you know, and your voices are heard more than in the in the home ground. But I think that support is there. I think the the negativity comes from a strange kind of online um, minority. Um, I don't think it's it's representative of of how the, the real fans, if if I use that phrase, really feel. Yeah. Um. I, I think there's a lot of support for Kai Havertz. I think his performances have been really good. Um. I do think, as you said, that he was he was gift wrapped that goal, and I think he was gift wrapped the man of the match award. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did he get man of the match? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, um, no, really. I think that's the club, the club man of the match. Okay. Uh, which is voted for, obviously, by the by the by the fans. Right. Um, I was going to say he can't have won know. the Premier League man of the match, surely. Like I think Odegaard got a couple of assists. Yeah, Odegaard, yeah. who I wanted to talk about, probably the one. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just it, it, again, it's that support, and he deserves it. I think for his performances, and he, he deserved the goal the way that he's played. Um, he, he gets through a lot of work. He really does. Like he's th- there's a little sort of comparison I think you can make to Özil where. Um, as we went through that spell where there was a lot of questions about his his effort and his ability, or not his ability, but his effort in games and maybe not providing enough for a period. And Havertz is going through a spell where he's not getting the numbers that he should be getting in his position, but his effort is is there. Mm. And, you know, the players, Declan Rice, like you said, said it at the end, you know, he puts in his he puts in the graft. He covers so much ground. Obviously, got his yellow card for a tackle. Like he he works. He really works. And the the rest of the rest of the stuff will come. I think the most important thing for the team is that the player in that position does their does their job defensively mm-hmm. and is able to receive the ball and move the ball on. And goals are goals are an addition to that and a sister in addition to that because there's other players who can contribute other players who are in form at the moment who can who can do that job and um it's not like we're carrying him no but we can support him going through this this period where he's not getting the output statistically that um he would want because it will come it's worth noting as well that left side is kind of new you've got you know Rice at the base, but then you've got Havertz if he's on the left. You've got 
Jesus. Jesus uh, playing <laughs> Jesus. This is uh, Jazzy uh, cousin. Um, you've got Jesus playing out wide at the minute to cover absences. Um, and then you've got, you know, and I'll include in is linking up on that side a bit because we know how well the dynamic of like White, Erdegaard and Saka works on the right. And so it's taking time for those um, partnerships to gel. Those in a perfect world, that isn't the combination anyway. It would be Gabby Martinelli out there or possibly Trossard um, and Jesus in the middle. So I think he's doing he's doing okay. Um, I've I've not had a game where I've watched him and I thought like you're useless and you're not trying. There's certainly been games where I'm like it's passed him by, and he hasn't. Like we we spoke during the week about um, Havertz didn't really have a, a fantastic impact against um, Brentford. I think it was about the 70th minute when I kind of started to notice him. So. Uh, you know, he he's there and he's trying, and that's that's the main thing. And and I really hope, um, I kind of hoped it at the beginning of the season that it would be an automatic explosion. And I nearly had him in my FPL team from the start, thinking, do you know what? He's going to prove a bunch of people wrong and probably knock in a couple of goals in the first few games. I did come to my senses a little bit um, and take him out and not make that decision, uh, which was clearly the right one, but. Uh, I don't know. Give it time. I think I said to you in the message, didn't I, this week? Uh, minimum he gets to December. Omri and Burkamp, December. And people just really don't get it. And you alluded to it earlier. Online fans, there's a, there's a very big difference between um, an online fan and a not online fan. You know, someone that doesn't feel the need to exercise their thumbs um, and write comments. Uh, so, yeah. Really stoked that he uh, that he got on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah, and uh, fingers crossed, some more come from in in open play. Indeed. Soon. Um, so we kept pushing. Uh, I was thinking, you know, can the floodgates open? Can we get four? Can we get five? Uh, can we do what City often do in these games and really push on and get a, a big number on there? Um, and we made a few changes. I think all the right kind of changes that were needed for the players that were playing a prescribed amount of minutes. Um, but lo and behold, it's not any of the substitutes that get our fourth goal. It's uh, Benjamin Blanco um, who pops up with a, with a very nice header. And I, for one, am absolutely furious because I had him in my fantasy team and at the last minute switched him out. I was getting rid of Chilwell and I was just like, ah, oh white away and like but he doesn't get goal involvements like he's he's like the pre-assist um at best and i was just like no i'll put botman in knowing that newcastle have got some good fixes coming up and then he go, he goes and stings me straight away the big f yeah. the big f you straight to me and i was like cheers pal thanks it's um like you say he doesn't he doesn't score very often so it's nice for him to get get one it's a really good header um really good header um, great technique on it goes top corner doesn't it and it's out of the keeper's reach and uh yeah i think that that period before we get that fourth goal it felt like there was loads of substitution breaks and the game was kind of broken up a lot um i guess partly by design because because we were um making sure people were taken off if they were nursing any injuries but also i think bournemouth made some changes and it and it sort of i don't know if you remember it but the uh keeper staying down for ages after what looked like the tiniest of touches between his hand and Jesus's foot. And he's there as if he's got shattered fingers. Um yeah. like get up. It, I mean it I it felt and they, they said it on the commentary that Bournemouth looked like a team who just want to get back in the dressing room. Um, yeah, and it, it kind of even at that point, I think that was probably in like the seventy to eighty minute range. Um, and even at that point, you just felt like Keith was just like, I just, I just don't want to keep playing this game. I'm just going to sit down for a bit. Because um, yeah, it was a bit a bit silly. Um, there was a, there was one more chance um, that could have make it made it the absolute perfect game. 
um, Jesus breaks through, I think, on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets grabbed by the Bournemouth defender, sort of rugby tackled. Yeah. He's struggling, fighting Clear to get foul. away, but the referee plays on, um, which is, oh, I like. I like playing on there because um, he can come back for the foul. I think he, <laughs> he could. Nutmeg somebody, maybe Reese Nelson does. And then it falls to ESR. Yes. And uh, Smithrow has a chance to put some icing on the cake. And I think it's an incredible save that they didn't actually um, spend a lot of time on, mm-hmm. on the coverage um, over here. I think they said, oh, Smithrow's missed. Yeah. Then it came back and they said, oh, the keeper might have got a touch. But I thought it was an incredible save yep. um, to, to push it past the post. Yeah, I, I do agree. And then there was another chance. Smithrow had another chance where it was a much more of the savable height um, for the keeper. This was something actually you've triggered a thought that I was having during the game about something that if we recorded that I wanted to um, to bring up. And it stemmed actually from the game on Wednesday. And it's a subject you've heard me say so many bloody times. On Wednesday, he had the opportunity to, I think, score what could have been a relatively simple goal, but he went for the passing it into the bottom corner. Instead of just just lifting it, why have Premier League footballers, especially Arsenal, forgotten that the ball can actually like not touch the grass as it goes over the line? Right? Just hit it. It doesn't have to be like right in the top corner. Just a couple of feet off the deck is enough. But honestly, it drives me mental. So when the other shot, not the one you were talking about, but the other one that was kind of that savable height, like that's the right height for the, the other opportunities he gets when he's in a bit closer where keeper's got no chance to make a save. But as a human, we generally have our feet on the ground. So when we kick it along the ground, there's a chance we're going to hit those static uh, legs as it is. So just drives me nuts. Just sometimes put the laces through it. Don't try and just be all finesse. Stop. Is it R1? Bloody FIFA. Like, we need to quit. <laughs> we need to stop with that and be a bit more, sometimes just a bit, throwing a bit more power and passion into it and uh, and watch the ball fly into the net. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. It does drive me nuts. I hate those stupid little goals that we have at training. <laughs> I was waiting for that bit. Yeah. That's the bit I was waiting for you to get to. Yeah. The stupid little goals. It is. It's the stupid little goals. It's the stupid little goals. It is. I'm sorry, but it is. I hate them. Really useful. Um, it's not five aside. <laughs> all right. It's professional football. Yeah. Great for accuracy. Um, <laughs> Clearly not because <laughs> keepers can get to it. Uh, yeah. So, so four nil. So that's, that's it. That's the game. Four nil. Um, runaway big winners. And um, like I said at the start, another clean sheet. I think, um, we have been a team in the past who would would end that game four one um, by giving up a stupid um, mistake, and I thought there there were maybe a couple of moments where we were um, Zinchenko. Zinchenko worries me sometimes <laughs> with some of the stuff he does. I don't know about you, but I was really and this is this will sound horrible, but I was really glad when he went off and Tommy Ashley came on, <laughs> just because I I feel like Zinchenko when we're 4-0 up will just give the opposition something just by sort of uh, trying to get a fifth or you know it's, it can be a little bit careless yeah I know what you I mean would say when we're in control he means well um, he does mean well and I, I don't want him to stop doing it when it's nil-nil <laughs> I think it's really important to have a player who's who's willing to take chances and, and try and create stuff and I just feel like someone's when a game is over <laughs> He's the one who might just give it, give the opposition a chance, just give the ball away, um, just make a rash little tackle or be out of position. Um, so glad to see Tommy Ashley come and get some more minutes. And um, yeah, it's it's just looking ahead um, just slightly. It's a shame that these players are getting minutes now and we're just about to go into another international break um, because it feels like if we had a few more games now, they would get, chances to play and um we'd be in a good moment just to kind of go game 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 mm-hmm. game because um people are in good form people have come back from injury people are getting like i say minutes and sharpness in their legs and it's a shame that we're going to play one game and then there's another you know two week break 
maybe this is uh, all Arteta's master plan that he's been laying the groundwork for. Uh, oh no, you can't go on international duty. Or sorry, sorry, Gareth, Declan and Bakayo aren't available. Neither, neither's Ramsdale. Oh, just a slight niggle. We just need to keep him here. Slight niggle. They haven't trained. Haven't trained. Play the long game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe that's what's going on there. But you're right. I mean, we, I, I, if you find me any club fan that likes the fact that we've got all these international breaks, well, I'd be impressed. Because um, yeah, they're bloody pointless. Like, why do England need to play Andorra every couple of years or San Marino? Like, really, what's the point? Just. I, I, yeah, I don't have. I mean, I know that, that we didn't qualify. What was it like, ten, twelve years ago, something like that for for the Euros? Like there, there have been times where there has been an upset with that qualifying process. But honestly, let's. It, it, I don't care about beating North Macedonia. I really don't, um, and I don't need Bukayo Saka to play eighty-five minutes in a game like that. Uh, oh yeah, just, please. Yeah, keep them away. It's just from that. not necessary. Um, I suppose before kind of even jumping onto that, Saka went off again after taking another another kick in. So um, I'd be okay if he's rested for the Lons game. I know, obviously, you're traveling, so you would like to see him play. But uh, I'd be okay if uh, if he's on the bench for that, and um, or maybe he doesn't even travel. Who knows? but uh, gets a bit of a rest so that they can uh, just give him a bit of a breather before what is a massive, massive, massive game next Sunday. Is it Sunday? Or is yeah. It Saturday? Sunday, isn't it? Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Sunday. So it's the late game on Sunday. Um, obviously City, um, a home game. Um, it is going to be an interesting week with the Champions League. Um, I'm assuming they play yeah. Wednesday. Uh, Who plays the same day I, I'm as I'm actually us? not sure. Um, I can I can check that out, but it's going to be an interesting week. With I think the Champions we League. we play the same night as United, so we they must be playing on Wednesday. So we get an, uh, we way, get an extra day's rest. Leipzig. Yeah, yeah. Um, so probably a more difficult game for them, but yeah, with a distraction essentially midweek or a game to play, it's like the whole week. Um, isn't just focused on on City. You know, you've got to got to go away and get the job done in France. Do you see that as a good then, or a bad thing? Coming back. Sorry. Do you see again, that mate. as a good or a bad thing? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can you can look at it both ways. I think from a from a fan perspective. I don't like thinking about City for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think about City for sort of five or six minutes before the game starts okay. and then just play. That's one of the beauties um, about being, you know, on the west coast of uh, Canada. Uh, that's often how it goes. I wake up five minutes before kickoff and, and then look at the team <laughs> as they come out and I'm like, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, there'll be there'll obviously be a lot of talk about that game, but it won't start until probably Thursday, Friday, mm-hmm. um, because we've got the Champions League game to go first, and it will be interesting to see what team he puts out because we'll want to make sure that the game goes well and we get the win, but at the same time, they are uh, probably the weakest opposition in the group, and it should be a chance to use some of the fringe players, use some of the players who need some more minutes like like Tommy Asu and Smith Rowe and players who did well against against Brentford. I think for um, me it's eighty percent the team that started Brentford. Yeah. Maybe more yeah. maybe you know what, maybe even maybe even the whole team, uh but you swap out Havertz for Vieira if he's coming back from a knock. Uh and maybe Trossar gets a half if he's um, in a position to to get those minutes or not. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would go with that. It'll be maybe not have the uh, academy product in there. I'd, I'd maybe go with the admission of or the omission uh, of of an academy random thrown in there for for that particular game. It seems to always be Brentford. We love to bring uh, bring a young lad on. Uh, just uh, this is what professional football is like in the in the top 
competitions um, and do it at Brentford with Winery last year and Segoy Junior this this week just gone. Um, yeah. So I'd like to see uh, just like I say, maybe uh, maybe Havertz gets a breather, uh, but travels obviously. Maybe Vieira gets the start because Lons aren't particularly demonstrative and physical as a side. Um, so I think it could suit someone like Vieira and Smith Rowe playing together could be uh, could be very interesting. Yeah, um, I don't know much about Lons um, at all. I've been yeah since we got drawn against them. I was sort of watching their fixtures and seeing who they were playing. Obviously, they've had a a tough start to the season. Aren't doing particularly well. So um, hopefully, they'll be out of confidence and hopefully. It's, it's a game that we can wrap up early and we don't need to look to the bench and, and you know, maybe if Saka doesn't start yeah. or, you know, whoever, we don't need to, to use them. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting one midweek. Like you say, I'll be there um, supporting the boys and um, just looking forward to singing the Havertz song more than anything. Have you considered after your rather excessive um, journey plan, have you considered just walking? <laughs> Because yeah. you seem to be taking every available mode of transport possible. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Just to get to, you know, not too far into France. Uh, you, could, yeah. you, could probably, you could probably swim and walk. Yeah, obviously I'm in Manchester now, so it's. Um, I think it might Boom. even be closer from London to Lons than it is from Manchester to, to <laughs> yeah, London. it's really not far. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic um, to be out there um, hear the Champions League of music and all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm, yeah, no, very jealous. I, I hope you enjoy it. It's, it should hopefully be a good night. Um, is there anything else Arsenal related we want to get into? Or shall we take a, a little detour towards um, some of the other matches for the weekend? There's a couple of talking points that, that might be worth having um, a chat about. No, I think that covers it for Arsenal related. Uh, other than I do like that Stella McCartney um, women's kit, and I like the fact that they've released it in a men's um, cut and sizes as well. I think I prefer that to uh, to our two secondary kits, uh, to be honest. And when are we ever going to wear the green kit? I thought that Bournemouth away last year was the like, was that the only time we wore the pink shirt last year. So I thought yeah. I thought for sure we're going to be wearing green today, um, but but not to be. Um, no, other than that, I think the Arsenal side is wrapped up. I think uh, the main notes I had were how good it was to see us have the control that we had. Mikel was a sneaky little bugger with uh, how he describes our injuries um, and the uh, sixty million down the drain. Kai Havertz scores again. <laughs> So, yeah, happy to move on to a lot of other talking points. Which one do you want to start with? Toss a coin, because um, both are quite big. Should we get a little, well, I, I don't know. I thought there's, I think there's three things. I think there's three things. I think one of them might be a little bit quicker than the other. Okay. Um, um, I don't know so, what the third one is. I can definitely think of two. Well, I'll say, I'll say the name of the team and then we'll, we'll go along with it. Roger um, Man City. <laughs> they lost to Wolves. Um, Incredible, really, because it's an interesting debate some people have been having that City are an unstoppable juggernaut and that there's no point us playing, really, the season because they've already won it and um, Arsenal shouldn't bother and they're, they're going to be... Oh, no, they've, they've dropped points very early in the season. The Invincibles stay invincible for another season. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's weaknesses in that City side. The moment you take out the main cog, Rodri, um, and replace it with Calvin Phillips, who I like, but it, it, there's a little bit of schadenfreude in the fact that he's played two games and they've lost two games. Um, yeah. That's they because they don't play him. Not. They haven't played him enough for him to be anywhere near up to par, which I'm fine with. Because, yeah, I liked him too. I would have happily taken him uh, at ours. Um, do you know what? I'd So I... Decided to take advantage of sleeping in a bit. I did consider watching all of the games in sequence, watching the Villa, Brighton, and then us. And I was just like, nah, I can't bother to do that. I'll, I'll watch us. Um, and then I watched the Liverpool Spurs game. 
and I must have been half asleep because I think they did mention what had happened uh, earlier in the day once or twice on commentary, but I completely over my head. So when I then flicked through to the highlights and saw um, obviously the City result, yeah, there was a part of me that was shocked, but I tell you what I wasn't shocked about, and that's Wolves being the ones that have undone them. Because I've watched a couple of Wolves games already this season, not because I've been watching them, but just because they've been on. I watched the game that they played the other week against Liverpool and I watched the game against Man United away. Both games they should have won, hands down. They were the better team against both of those bigger clubs and outplayed them for the most part. Now, there is that other other side of it, the juxtaposition of you can't say that they're the better team and they outplayed them when they're the team that went away with a loss. Well, you can because they were screwed out of even a chance of a point uh, Old Trafford by the referees. Um, and against Liverpool, yeah, they did kind of just shoot themselves in the foot and Liverpool have been a team so far this season that have come back from losing positions a lot. So um, there was a part of me when I saw how Wolves went about their business today um, that didn't shock me because I think they're another team who should be higher up the table than they are um, because they've certainly played better than than what their position says. Yeah, fair enough. Um, there were tears all over Manchester because uh, <laughs> United also lost. Um, Did you just go out and savour it or were you just wandering the streets? Just like... <laughs> It was, I thought it was raining, but it must have been tears. <laughs> no, I'm pretty um, sure it was raining. I saw the highlights of the United game. It was game, raining. It was well. raining. Um, <laughs> it was raining yeah, that one, not, that one not as surprising um, because it's their fourth fourth loss in the league so far. Yeah, um, for a team that are back on track and are doing doing great things. Yeah, yeah, an absolute sham. But let's stay on the other um, team in, in, in Manchester for now. Yeah, absolute shambles. Have you got more to add on City, or should we move across? To no, the, um... I mean, other than it is, a, it is a su- surprise because I think we do all, you know, recognise that they are very strong. Um, and then this is where you can overanalyze the hell out of it. They've lost a game that they wouldn't have thought they were going to lose. Now, do they come even more prepared to the Emirates? Would we have wanted to be the ones that catch them out in a game, you know, and be the you know? when you point out a flaw, they've now got time to correct it. You know, they, they've got time to pull their socks back up after this. Um, fingers crossed it doesn't happen. Hopefully they go away in Champions League and get their pants pulled down there. You know, sometimes when you're a wounded animal, you're, you're uh, you know, you're not necessarily at your weakest. Yeah. But this could be the slide. They could lose 12 games on the bounce from now. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we we will see on Sunday, right? We will see. We will. Um, there was some, possibly some controversy that is worth talking about. Possibly, um, I want to hear what the other thing was because you said there was three different things, and you mentioned obviously well, the both. City result. Yeah, the United result, and then okay, um, the United result. Yeah. So, so Tottenham, Rob Holding doing no, no, no. Let's let's give Rob Holding the credit he deserves for uh, for steering Palace to a fantastic. Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch the game. Did he play? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he. Do you know what he was leading that defence? There was quite a few times. It was only the like ten minute highlights I watched. Um, but every time they were defending set pieces, and the Palace defenders are used to maybe being a bit slower to get out, and he's like shouting at them all, gesticulating like you've got to push up faster, you've got to come out faster. Um, so yeah, um, you know, although he wasn't the person who scored the goal, I think it's all down to Rob Holding, secret agent Rob Holding. Fair play to Rob then. Um, um, yes, Liverpool Spurs. Yeah, come on, let's get on to it because you've normally got some interesting, well, not interesting takes, you've got some takes <laughs> Yeah, well, <I've, laughs> on, on referees and VAR. I have, um, I have. So I might, I have I might get in first before the... you, before you, because like, fuck I, you I've, got, I've got a very short thing to say on the VAR <clears throat> um, situation. So obviously they, they, Liverpool score a goal, Luis Diaz, and then um, they do some sort of check for offside, and then they disallow the goal. Um, well, no, the goal I, the goal's disallowed on the field. Yeah, 
but so that the the ending the ending result is they disallow the goal that, mm-hmm. that should have counted. I've not been on the uh, conspiracy side with with referees. I've been down the incompetence route um, with them, and I think it's just another example of that for me. It's a it's a system. The VAR system works really well. However, the implementation of it and the human side of it is ridiculous. And all I will say on it, and I'll let you, um, I'll let you run for a lot longer, is <laughs> it has to be, it has to be um, an automated or semi-automated system. There cannot be a process where a human is dragging a line across to where he thinks a player's shoulder or foot is to measure it. It has to be done by technology. Um, because if it's done by technology, what happens today doesn't happen. And if that goal's scored, I'm allowed to um, freeze my accumulator bet and I win. And I didn't win my accumulator because of that game. I lost because because Liverpool didn't win. Um, and I would have frozen that result at 1-0. So I've been put out by 120 quid. No, it would have been uh, 2 1 at that point, wouldn't it? No, that was the first goal of the was game. It, was it 1 0 the first goal of the game? Yeah. Oh, no, he he no. had a chance to take it to 2 1 just before half time. That was it, yeah. Um, and that's all I've got to say on it. Okay, well, I liked one thing that you said there about, you know, there's got to be like some sort of automation. Like, I'll go one further. How about a fucking checklist of, right, a decision about a goal needs to be made and we need to check if the player's on or offside. How about a big alarm that rings going, okay, let's stop and check if the player was on or offside. Start with that. Fuck me, the, honestly. And I, I don't go so much against this. I don't feel is conspiracy. This, I, you know, I, I would agree with you, is just absolute and sheer incompetence. I do think that um bias sometimes comes into it against some of the way that not just arsenal but the way that some teams are refereed but i do include us in that um this is you know right up there shoulder to shoulder with the brentford game that we had last year where they didn't even look at the guy who's five yards offside um we have seen crazy decisions and mistakes made in other leagues remember last year in syria there was a goal that was scored, chalked off for offside, but there was a player down by the corner flag yeah, yeah. who was injured, who was playing everybody on because he was only one yard away from the touchline on the pitch. But because the camera zoomed into the penalty area where the action was, they didn't even look and see him. Um, this is just a mass. I, let's, let's first of all drop the P from the PGMOL because they are not professional. You cannot tell me you're a professional organisation when you are making basic mistakes like that. I mean, what was the conversation? What was the conversation? Right, um, so the on-field decision is we've disallowed a goal for offside and then the person watching the video is just like, cool, I've just ordered 12 large pizzas for me and the guys. Do you want anything? And I'll get it sent to the ground. Okay, play on. Like, where is the, oh, okay, I'll check and see if he was on or offside, shall I? Let me let me use all of these little tools and rulers and lines and the technology to actually check if the decision that you have just given is correct or not. Not just a pause and then yeah, check complete. Football so what happens. They've, football so what, happens. They've, what they've said is that there was a miscommunication between of the of the on field decision. So the VAR thought that they were gonna they were checking to see if the goal was um the goal should be disallowed and they saw immediately without drawing the lines that it was onside thought that the decision was um a goal and said yeah it's fine and then once there's um another action so once the the ball is then in play apparently they cannot go back and re um correct that so i think on the certainly the certainly the broadcast that I had just after that happened it cut to the referee and the referee was like holding his ear obviously listening to somebody the game had continued but he was he was looking a little bit shocked and I think they told him straight away we've we've fucked up here 
Um, but both of those situations shouldn't happen. They shouldn't get that wrong. They shouldn't be miscommunicating that. And then if they've made a mistake, the fact that the ball's been kicked, the game's restarted, should not be no. um, you know, something that, that means the decision can't be corrected. They stop they it if the ball's away, moving when you take a free kick. Up. We fucked up. We're going back to that. Yeah. Actually, it was a goal. Yeah, would have they, been easy if the ball's moving when you take a free quick. Uh, you know, they they stop it and they bring it back. If a ball rolls onto the pitch because it's gone into the fans and it's thrown back onto the pitch, they stop it. But not only that, to add to what you just said there, miscommunication or not, remember after the bloody Brentford game for us last year, they then put in another person to check that the actual person who's supposed to be doing a job then does it like in a semi-independent adjudicator. Yeah. What are they supervising if they're not like picking up on this? What, what are they watching? Even if, even if there's a miscommunication between like you and I are talking right now via microphone and a connection, you're in a different place. I'm in a different place. Even if I said, we would let's say we we're watching the game of football happen and you told me no i've just ruled that out we we think it's offside like i've seen the i'm watching the cameras of my colleagues waving their bright colored flags i'm watching the players reaction of oh like this going to be it's being checked because we think it's offside surely if you're actually even watching let alone you've been speaking to the person on the pitch you know what your job is it's to check if this is a valid goal. And what you do in that is a is an offside check. That's where you start. And the fact that they have not even got that right. And don't get me wrong, on the one hand, uh, there's a part of me that's glad that Liverpool didn't win because I haven't been a fan of the fact that they've been chalking up a lot of points uh, so early on in the season. But also I don't want anything good to happen for Spurs. So it's a real quandary for me, this one. Um, but I cannot wait for Howard Webb's little PR show that they now do, like when he did one after the Man United-Arsenal game. Um, and I think there was uh, another time as well. And uh, he just supported all of the decisions that the referees made, even though some of them weren't correct. I can't wait to see how he's going to deal with this one. He's probably not. They're probably not going to do a show, I would assume, because it's such a big fuck up. But they should, if they've got any shred of integrity, any shred of integrity, they come out and they do that stupid little PR stunt of a show that they're trying to do, and they get absolutely laughed out of the building. What are the Premier League thinking? Honestly, that's... Genuine, genuinely what I'd like to know because I know what the clubs think. We heard the Sheffield United manager talk after the Tottenham game the other week. You know, he then gets probably fined for the comments that he makes. They're talking about there's going to be a, a review. Great. Okay. So some League One club has to endure Darren England now refereeing their game next week because he's not good enough for the Premier League. Why should a League One club have to suffer having the shit referee in their game. Why is he going to do any better? It's still a game of football. Clearly he doesn't know how the game works. So why is that any good? And it's only one game and then he'll be back sat in a VAR booth or on the field anyway. Like there's no punishment for the referees at all. There's no retribution. There's no, there's no nothing like genuinely. If you can't get that right, you shouldn't be refereeing in the Premier League. And the Premier League have got to have a meeting about this because the referees are bringing the league's final standings into disrepute. Yeah, I think well said, mate. I've got nothing to add on that. Um, You're just bored of listening to me talk about referees, that's all. I just think we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll be having the same conversation in a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a bit of a shambles. Um, all right, mate. 4 nil. Puts Champions League coming up into third on goal difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't look at the table until about no. Normally, I don't either. Although I must admit, I have found myself doing that this year because obviously we spent so long on top last year. 
and then to kind of not see us on top like seeing a sixth even though that with the spread of points was so small but to see a sixth for example was quite sickening um so it's nice to see us creep back up and for there not to be uh an almighty gap already between us and, and and city um there's only two teams in the land that are still undefeated so there's just one more notch that's got to be taken care of um and hopefully they'll probably lose to sheffield united or something well no they won't play them away for a while now because they only played the, the other week luton luton will probably do um after obviously they got their campaign up and running today as well all right well you best get cracking as you've got a, a long walk off to France. Um, at least you've got your uh, French dictionary in your pocket, uh, ready to go. Dos beer, por favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Espanol, not Sevilla. But you'll be fine. If I find that if, as long as you try, they appreciate it. doesn't matter if you get the language right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. It was great to uh, great to chat to you. Great to talk about uh, a strong four nil win. Great to touch on City dropping points. Not so great to have to talk about referees being absolutely flipping useless again. Um, fingers crossed we can go a week with them without them making a massive mess of something. Get three points in the Champions League and then let's get those three points on Sunday. Let's do it, mate. Up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal, indeed. All right. Take care, everyone, and thanks again for listening.